There's a question that comes to my mind when I'm thinking about what do you preach at a time like this? We, we, our typical uh, methodology here is that we'll preach through a, a book of the Bible or we'll preach a, a series of topics on, or a series of sermons on a particular topic. And so we've been in the Gospel of Mark for uh, almost a year. This is, today will be number 50 in the Gospel of Mark. And so the question always comes to mind, do you break out of that series and preach something specific to the, the day at hand when you come to something like Easter or, or Christmas, or do you just keep right on? And I've been praying about that and thinking about that. Should we talk about the Christmas narratives? What should we do? Should we look at Matthew chapter 1? Should we look at Luke chapter 2? What should we do? Should we think about the angels or the star or the shepherds or the wise men or all those things? But as I pondered those things, I went back and I read where we were in Mark, and I realized that, believe it or not, I think this is the message the Lord wants us to look at today. And this particular person we're going to talk about today is not historically associated with the Christmas story at all. And when we start reading it, you're going to think that Pastor Bill has lost his mind. But I'm hoping that when we get to the end of this, you'll see that there really is a message here for us at Christmas. As a matter of fact, I think this particular individual has a tremendous message for us at Christmas time. So let's turn to Mark chapter 14 and verse number 10. And I want to talk to you this morning about Judas Iscariot. Mark chapter 14, verse number 10. As always, if you didn't carry a Bible in here with you, which you should have, if you didn't carry a Bible in here with you, there's one in the seat there near you. We encourage you to look at that, follow along. I could be lying to you up here, you know. I can say anything from up here. So you want to be following along in that Bible and make sure that I'm not, that I'm telling you the truth. All right, Mark chapter 14, verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it, just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. In the evening he came with the twelve, and now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, is it I? And another said, is it I? He answered and said to them, it is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. So our minds are on the manger this morning. Our minds are on the birth of Christ. But I want you to fast forward with me just for a moment from the manger and from the star and from the wise men and from the angels. I want you to fast forward with me 33 years. During which time that little baby grew to manhood, embarked on a mission that would change the world. Fast forward with me to a time just a few days before the end of that mission when one of his own number would betray him to the authorities. And those authorities would then arrest him and try him in a sham trial and hang him upon a cross and look on as he died there on that cross in the cruelest form of execution the Romans ever devised. He would then lay in the grave for three days, and then he would rise again 
And though mocked and betrayed and beaten and hung and executed and buried, he would defeat all of that. And he would prove that he, that man whose birth we remember today, was the very son of the living God. Let's hit pause on that fast forward just for a moment, and let's stop at one particular event in there. Let's pause right there where just a few days before the end of his mission, one of his own number would betray him to the authorities, Judas. Judas Iscariot would and did betray the Lord. Why? It is to some one of the most hotly debated topics that's ever been. I've heard Christians uh, more than one say that they feel sorry for Judas, that they feel like he was some kind of a, of a pawn in a bigger scheme of things, and, and they feel like maybe, uh, maybe we shouldn't think too badly of Judas. Why did he... Betray Jesus. There's all sorts of theories that have been put forth. Some would chalk it up to simple greed and covetousness. After all, Judas was, according to Scripture, a thief. The Bible says that he, he was a thief and he held the bag and he bare what was therein, John chapter 12 and verse 6. And the Scripture gives us a, a, a hint into his motivation and it points us toward that as being part of it. Matthew 26, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said to them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him to you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. What will you give me for me to betray him to you? So greed was part of it. When they heard it, they were glad. They promised to give him money, Mark 14.11. There are also other possible motivations for his actions. Some cite ambition. Judas was apparently hoping very specifically for a national Messiah, someone who would come and free uh, Israel from the oppression of Rome. And when that did not appear to be the direction Jesus was moving, he chose to betray him. Also. And of course, the Bible very specifically is clear that there was satanic influence in, involved here. Uh, several different places we read. Luke chapter 22, verse 3, Then Satan entered into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. John 13, 2, Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. John 13, 27, After the sop, Satan entered into him, and then Jesus said unto him, What you do, do quickly. Regardless of his motivation, we know that Judas made a choice to betray the Savior. And in that choice, there lay a thousand possible sermons and a thousand possible applications that we might make. But in this text, in Mark, I think there's one. I think Mark gives us one very clear lesson that we need to concentrate on. I think that the Holy Spirit, through Mark's pen, used Judas Iscariot to teach us a very, very, very important, absolutely amazing truth, stated very plainly by the Lord in verse number 21. Look at verse number 21. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Judas Iscariot teaches us that it's better to never be born at all than to be born and not born again. Let me mention three different thoughts about Judas. I want you to think, first of all, about this. Judas had every advantage, and he played the game pretty well. He had every advantage. One of the most interesting things about Judas is that, is that he looked and acted just like the other 11 disciples, so much so that not a one of them ever suspected him. He played the game well. He ran with the right crowd. He hung with the most privileged group of 12 men to have ever walked on the earth. Imagine rubbing elbows with Peter and James and John 
He spent three years in the very presence of Jesus Christ himself. Certainly one of the most privileged people to ever work, uh, to ever live. He, he went to all the right places. He was there when the miracles took place. I've often wondered what it would have liked to have watched Lazarus come stumbling up from below ground out of that tomb, wrapped up like a mummy, and then watched in amazement as they unwrapped him. And there he was, living, breathing, alive, Lazarus. To watch that, I, I can't imagine, but Judas was there for that. Judas saw that. He saw he was there when Jesus fed thousands, 5,000 men in one case. Some would say that was 10,000 to 15,000 actual people if you had women and children. He fed uh, thousands. He fed 4,000 in another case from just a handful of bread and fish. Judas was there. Judas was there watching Jesus, this miracle of creation that took place in the very hands of, uh, of the Savior as he created more fish and bread out of nothing. Judas saw that. He was there. For all of it. He was there when the preaching took place. He was in the crowd when the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. And I would say that was the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Preached by the greatest preacher that has ever preached. And that would be the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there when all that took place. He listened to all the parables. Heard them all. He heard Jesus tell the convicting story of the rich man and Lazarus. He was there for all the sermons, all the lessons, all the parables. Most of all, he was there with the group when they were alone with Jesus and he explained things to them. Brother Mark this morning in his Sunday school class shared with us a parable, and it was one of those ones where there was the parable was given, and then we we watched as Jesus explained the meaning of it. Well, they were there for every one of those, every one of those when they would take him aside and say, "Jesus, what did that mean?" He heard it all. He was there when the commissioning took place. There came a day when Jesus took the disciples and sent them out two by two, and no doubt Judas was in that number. So not only did he hear, not only did he experience, he actually went out and preached the message to other people. Preached it. He was in a position of honor. We mentioned he was a thief. John told us that in John chapter 12 and verse 6, but inherent in that thought and in that verse is that he was the one in the group entrusted with the money. He was in a position of honor. That trust turned out to be misplaced. But before it came to light, nobody thought anything of it. They thought he was the right one. You see, Judas fooled everybody. He fooled everybody. He fooled every one of the eleven. And we see that in verses 18 to 19 of our text. But, and this is an important but, he never fooled Jesus Christ. The Lord knew who he was from the beginning. There was never any confusion there. We see that over and over. Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, John chapter 6. He knew who should betray him, John chapter 13. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, You have said, you said it, buddy. What that means. That's what that means. Jesus was saying, yes, you are the one. Matthew 26, 25. Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. He knew. Anybody remember Captain Penny? Cleveland personality, Captain Penny? Anybody watch him when you were a kid? Let's all age ourselves now. Give away our age. What was Captain Penny's famous saying? You can fool some of the people all of the time and all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool mom. Remember that? It was a kid's show. But you know, likewise, no, you, you may have fooled everybody in the world just as Judas fooled everybody. But you can't fool Jesus Christ. He sees your heart. One man said Jesus can see the most tightly guarded and hidden areas of your heart just as easily as you and I look through a window on a sunlit day. So Judas had every advantage. He ran with all the right people. He fooled them all except the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But here's the thing. It's possible to play the game well and lose. Because the real the fact of the matter is you can't read the Bible and come up with any other conclusion. Judas was lost. He was lost. And it was not because, as some would say, he was predestined to be lost. Some people will go down that road. No, that's not why he was lost. It's not because he was a thief. The Bible tells us he was a thief. That's not why he was lost. It's not even because he betrayed Jesus. What a horrible thing we think that is. That's not why he was lost. No, Jesus, Judas was lost simply because he did not believe. And Jesus made that extremely clear. He made it clear that unbelief is what damned Jesus, or Judas. He said, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Unbelief is what damns all who are lost. It's the only thing that lands anybody in hell. The fearful and the unbelieving shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Mark 16, 16. He that believes on the Son of God has everlasting life. He that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Over and over. We could just quote verse after verse. Unbelief is the only thing that sends anybody to hell. And that's what sent Judas there as well. Judas was lost because of unbelief. Oh, he had a choice. He had a choice. Think about it. Did Jesus have to allow Judas to betray him? I don't think so. He had a couple of things that he could have done. He could have, for example, told the other 11. Hey, guys, you know what Judas is plotting over there? How do you think that would have turned out for old Judas? William Barclay put it like this. He said all he had to do was tell the other 11 what Judas was planning, and Judas would never have left that room alive. I think it's probably true. And likewise, of course, Jesus himself was far from incapable of stopping him. Jesus wasn't, and in, is, in, in he's the Son of God. He, he wasn't his omnipotent. He could, have, he, could have, he could have stopped Judas with a thought. He could have stopped him with a word. He was not powerless against the plot. First John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he, than he that is in the world. Jesus could have ended it immediately. Songwriter said it well. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. He could have stopped him, but he didn't. He allowed him to choose. Jesus allowed Judas. He let, he let Judas know that he knew all about it. Some of those verses I read, did you see? Jesus saying to Judas, I, I'm on to you, bud. I know what you're planning. I know your plot. He appealed to him in love. He even washed his feet. Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine the, the, the conversation that went between the eyes of the Savior and Judas as he was washing his feet, and both of them knew what the other one was thinking? It's an amazing thing. And then he allowed him to betray him. After the sop, Satan entered into him and then said, Jesus, unto him, what you do, do quickly. Judas played the game well, but he was not really one of the players because he was lost. And he was lost for the same reason people are lost today, because they don't believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died to take away the sin of the world, that he rose from the dead on the third day and ever lives to make intercession for us, and that he now commands all men everywhere to repent. Judas was lost for the same reason that people are lost today, because they will not call upon the name of the Lord or believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might be saved. Now here again the horrible words Jesus spoke about Judas. And by application about all who are in that same state. He 
said, woe to that man. It would be good for that man if he had never been born. Warren Wiersbe, in commenting on that, said, if you have never been born again, one day you will wish that you had never been born. And so you're sitting there now and you're saying, so preacher, what in the world does that have to do with Christmas Eve? What in the world does it have to do with Christmas? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me share why I think it does have something to do with Christmas. You see, Christmas is one of those times when people, regardless of what they truly believe, give a nod toward Christianity. It's a time of year when true believers sing and rejoice and truly worship the Son of God. And I have enjoyed the music and the worshiping that has taken place this Christmas perhaps more than at any other time. It's a time when true believers express true and heartfelt thanks for that birth and all that it foreshadowed. But it's also a time when people who don't really believe show up and pretend for a while that they do. Just like Judas pretended to believe. Just like Judas fooled everyone into thinking he believed but didn't really believe. And so I want to ask this morning, do you believe? Do you really believe this? I mean, it is a pretty unbelievable story. Don't you think? You know, God, creator of the universe, infinite in every way we can conceive and beyond, has a son. And that son laid aside the glory of heaven and became a baby, carried in the womb of a virgin girl named Mary, born and laid in a manger next to the animals in this insignificant little village of Bethlehem. That son grew up, preached, healed, helped, loved, loved, lived, and died on a cross. And that cross and that death, was designed by God as a substitute for the penalty you owed for your sins. That son died for you. Died in your place. That son died so you could be forgiven of every sin you ever committed or ever will commit for you. And then that son rose from the dead so that he could hold out his hands to you and say, believe this and come with me. Believe this and be saved. Do you believe that? you believe that? It's a pretty unbelievable story. But it is your hope. To die without believing is to die lost. To go to hell rather than heaven where God wants you. Remember, Judas was not lost because he was a thief. It may surprise you, but I believe there will be millions of thieves in heaven. Judas did not die lost because he betrayed the Savior. Horrible as that sounds to us. But I believe there will be millions of people in heaven guilty of betrayal. No, Judas was lost because he did not believe, and only because he did not believe. And to not believe is to sin a Judas-sized sin. Judas had the same opportunity that you and I have today, and any time he could have believed and been saved. However, Jesus never forced him, and Jesus never forces anyone, and he won't force you. You can be saved right now. If you so choose, the Bible says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. For as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Do you believe? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed just for a second this morning. Every head bowed. The musicians are going to make their way to the platform. And I just want to ask that question again. 
See, I believe that Judas really has a message for us this morning. And that's it. Do you really believe? Will you believe this morning? If you can admit that you're a sinner, if you can recognize that your sin stands between you and God, you're halfway there. You can bow before him today and confess it to him. You can ask him for the salvation that he died to give you. Believe him. Receive him. Pray something like this, Lord Jesus, I I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I, I believe that you, the Christmas baby, are the Son of God who died for me. I believe and I ask for the gift of salvation you have for me. From this moment on, I'm trusting in nothing but you for this life and for eternity. Amen. Pray that if you believe. And the thing is, you can't pretend about this stuff. I'm not trying to get people to pray something they don't believe. The fact is, I realize this is a difficult story to believe. I realize that there are some people who, if they could just get their brain around it, they would pray that prayer. But they just can't quite get their brain there. I understand that. You can't pretend. You can't be like Judas and just play the part. You can't be like Judas and try to fool everybody. You can't fool, you can't fool the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't fool God. You can't make it up. Do you believe? If you don't, and if in the honesty of your heart right now you're saying, I would if I could, but I don't. Let me suggest another prayer you ought to pray. And you ought to pray right now. Lord Jesus, help me to believe. Help me to believe. Open my eyes and my heart to the reality of Jesus Christ. If you don't want anybody to perish, then you don't want me to perish. I want to believe. I just don't. Help me. My friends, if you could pray either one of those prayers, this could be the greatest Christmas that you've ever had in your life. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ and yet you find that you can pray that prayer and say, Lord, I believe this is the greatest Christmas ever for you. And even if you can't pray that first prayer, but that second one you can, he'll answer that. He'll help you. Lord, I want to believe. Help me to. I believe this morning if you've Willing to pray either of those prayers as we sing in just a moment. You ought to step out and come up here and let somebody pray with you. And uh, just kneel here at this altar and pray. Remember what Jesus said. Woe to that man. Good work. Good would it be for that man if he had never been born. It's better to never be born at all than to be born 